Whoever said it's not about the bike never went to Interbike. You know, it doesn't take much pressure uh, to execute a shift. Um, and if you hold the button down, it will just keep shifting until it's at the end of the cassette. Well, let's hear the FSA group. Give it a couple shifts. Yeah, not a lot of noise out of the... No. This is your no normal chain noise, but the, the mechanism very, is pretty quiet. Yeah, it's a very quiet system. The pace line is back, and it's all about the gear, baby. Line, the podcast on two wheels, the show on the road. Again, we are in Las Vegas for Interbike 2016, the annual trade show that turns uh, Sin City into Spin City. I know, oh, nice. I know, nice. Bad joke. <laughs> Bad cycling joke. Uh, it is a bit odd, though, when you when you roll around this town, you see men and women in Lycra or mountain biking sh baggy shorts, walking past blackjack tables or the nightclubs or the slots. But it is a massive convention uh, that requires a tremendous amount of space, good weather, an international airport, hotel space. So Vegas it is, uh, at least for the time being. Interbike, uh, not one, but really two events. You've got uh, the convention itself at Mandalay, which is the big show, and that's Wednesday through Friday. But they open the week at the Outdoor Demo, which is where we are right now. We're actually hosting the show from the Outdoor Demo at Interbike 2016. Um, lovely Boulder City. Yeah, Boulder City, okay, which is, lovely. I think their claim to fame is this is like the home to where uh, the Hoover Dam was built. Yeah, all the crew who worked on the Hoover Dam were put up here uh, and while they were working on that huge colossus of a creation. So we're not far from Hoover Dam, uh, and the cool thing about Outdoor Demo is this gives folks, uh, the media, um, folks who are in the bike business, uh, people who own bike shops, a chance to actually ride bikes as opposed to looking at, at them uh, in their static state, which is what you generally have um, at Interbike at Mandalay Bay. Of course, that's a little later in the week. Um, this is a smaller gathering up here in Boulder City. Um, but nonetheless, a good chance to ride bikes. And there's some decent uh, mountain biking trails here. Bootleg Canyon is, is just over our shoulder here. So you can get off-road, a fair amount of tarmac, some group rides get going out of here. So some cool things to do when you open the week at Interbike at Outdoor Demo. Patrick Brady of RedKitePair.com, the host site of the Pace Line, of course, is at Interbike. Patrick, yeah. do you have any idea how many Interbikes this is for you? Uh, I believe it's 25. My first was 1992 when the, on the East Coast there was a show in Atlantic City. Uh, they did, you know, they did uh, the West Coast show, Anaheim back then, and then they would do an East Coast version. It was in Atlantic City, or I attended a couple years in Atlantic City before they moved it to Philadelphia. They later killed Philly, and uh, I started attending Anaheim in 96. Hey, I'm going to Go a little George Carlin on you. They call it Interbike, but it it has to do with an outdoor activity. Is there is there any good reason for this name, Interbike? Is it international bike? I have no idea where it came from. None. 
It never even occurred to me to ask. It was such a done deal. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. I think it's a George Carlin joke where he says, it's funny how the Department of the Interior takes care of everything on the outside. And hence the interbike joke there. Sorry, folks. (laughs) Um, Patrick, journalists always look for a headline going into or during a big event. And interbike is, you know, no different. I suppose last year it was the rise of e-bikes. And then maybe the big product thing was was SRAM ETAP. There was a lot of buzz about that. Um, E-bikes certainly carrying over again this year. We're seeing a lot of them running around here at uh, the outdoor demo. Um, But have you been able to pick up on anything yet? What seems to be a buzz theme or buzz item here at 2016? Well, kind of the amazing thing is that, you know, Shimano is here with a new iteration of Dura-Ace, okay? It's still 11 speed, but They've got four different versions of the group. There's both uh, caliper brakes and hydraulic disc brakes. There's DI2 as well as traditional mechanical. So there are four different versions of this group. And you'd think that that would be stealing all the headlines, but in fact, FSA is getting big attention with their brand new electronic group because this means now there's a fourth viable option to road bike groups thanks to FSA. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up FSA because we're going to go over and talk to them uh, during the show here. we got a chance to check out that new group set. Pretty excited about that. For me, you know, one of the themes I'm kind of picking up on here is that um, the industry is beginning to split a little bit. Uh, not split as far as a fracture within the industry, but they're starting to understand that there's a difference between uh, pro-style bikes and bikes for the public. And we're seeing that with obviously more disc brakes, on-road machines, more comfortable geometries, more comfortable bikes, bikes that are priced uh, nicely, um, that are set up where you don't, you know, you don't need all the high-end stuff to make a good bike. And I think the industry is starting to understand that, yeah, there's a pro bike, and then there's the public's bike. And we're actually going to also focus on on that topic during the show with Mossy. We have an interview with Mossy about their approach to just that theme. We're going to have lots of product, in fact, to talk about and, in fact, too much for the show. So (laughs) one thing we want to warn folks about is this won't be our only Interbike show. We're going to have interviews probably for the next show and and shows after that on stuff Patrick and I have, have picked up here at Interbike 2016. But let's get into some product right now. Uh, again, we're going to start with what might be the worst kept secret uh, in the industry, and that is FSA's electronic group. Uh, we found it at the FSA booth here at the Outdoor Demo. Patrick and I are in the uh, FSA booth. Patrick has jumped on uh, the new FSA electronic group, and you've gone through a couple of shifts. Tell me what you feel. What's going on? You know, it's another great electronic uh, group. It, there's nothing about it that makes you say, oh, you know, this isn't up to the quality of Campagnolo or Shimano. This is uh, a viable option to everything else that's out there. You know, they've really nailed it with this. The shifting's quick. Uh, the location of the paddles for the shifts is a little different position. Uh, they're over under instead of forward back like STI. Um, but it's a real simple, obvious system to work with. And I think, you know, the transition for most riders will be pretty instantaneous. Um, but, you know, uh, the speed of the shifting is great. Uh, it's really smooth. Uh, some groups have been criticized for really noisy shifts. That's not the case here. 
Uh, it's really good. Yeah. You Super can, quick. You can tear the servos just a little bit so you can you get some feedback, right? Are you oh, getting yeah. feedback at the hand? How does that is there a tactile feel or how does the shift feel? It's a very light click, but there is a click. You know, and that's one of the things that was certainly a criticism of Shimano's DI2, uh, you know, for ever since it was introduced uh, until this coming iteration. But yeah, there's a, a very slight click. Um, you know, if you're going really hard in a race, you might miss it, but it, you know, it doesn't take much pressure uh, to execute a shift. Um, and if you hold the button down, it will just keep shifting until it's at the end of the cassette. How do your hands feel, ergonomically speaking? How do those hoods feel? It's really solid. It's a it's a great shape. Uh, you know, it's uh, the the brake hoods are comfortable. The shape of the brake levers is good. Uh, it's easy to reach from uh, uh, from the hooks, and so you know this is something I'd be really excited to get out on the road and try. And as I understand, the, the lever lengths are customizable. You can switch the lever lengths out if you want something a little shorter. Or maybe you want some longer ones, and then the reach itself too is adjustable, which is a, and it gives you a lot of a lot of different hand options there. The hoods, uh, I just by looking at the pictures, I, I mean, I kind of went kind of a cross between SRAM and Campy a little bit. Is that the feel you're getting? A SRAM, a little SRAM, a little Campy. It's you know, it's just a, a pretty natural ergonomic sort of shape. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, it feels like a brake lever. You know. Uh, it's hard to to account for a particular influence or something, mm -hmm. uh, a lineage, but, you know, yeah, my hand fits. Ultimately, you need to get on the road. You're on a train right now, and <laughs> I guess the road test will tell all. You know, I'm grateful for that with the sun right now being under a tent and on a trainer. This works just fine. It's a great way to try it. Well, let's hear the FSA group. Give it a couple shifts. Yeah, not a lot of noise out of the. No. Just your normal chain noise, but the it's the mechanism very, is pretty quiet. Yeah, it's a very quiet system. Let's get Mike Lawless. He heads up marketing for FSA. Mike, so you say uh, lever length is customizable. How about lever reach? Is that can that be adjusted as well? Uh, yeah, sure. There's a um, there's a small uh, flat blade screw in the lever that'll actually allow you to customize how far uh, the reach is. So yeah, we've got a, a standard size lever and a compact size lever depending on uh, the size of your hands. So really hitting a lot of different demographics there. That's great. I'm really excited about this. And you guys are going to have OE spec with a couple of different brands on this for 2017, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, we've got a few different partner brands that uh, we're showcasing here at Interbike this year. Um, that are going to be specking the bike. Um, it'll be it'll be raced in the Pro Peloton next year as well. Um, and again, that's another testament to uh, the fact that it is ready. It's ready to go, and and so are we. This has been a been a long process for us, and we're really excited to have a finalized product that that works so well, and we're so confident in. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike, this was hardly a rush to market. I mean, you, this was this <laughs> old, old rumor here, yep. and uh, it, it's done. But I mean, it's important for I guess to give the engineers and everyone in R and D a chance to get this right and put it on the road a little bit and test it. Was that really? What the, the waiting time that was involved? Oh yeah, I mean, it's very important for us to not come to market until we're absolutely perfect. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a it's been a process, as you can imagine. But you know, we're really confident in in the results and the final product, and 
man, we're ready for spring. Now, this gets the, the K-Force branding, do I have that right? And that means this is your top-end stuff. Correct. This is uh, the K-Force um, Electronic Wireless Group, uh, WE for short. And yeah, it is, uh, it is does get the top-tier branding for us, um, the K-Force Pro-Road uh, market. And when you say wireless, you mean describe where it's wireless and, and where there are wires. So technically we're calling um, the Wii a, um, a semi-wireless system. And, you know, basically studying some of the competition out there, we were able to identify some of the positive things and some of the negative things from each brand. And, you know, one of the benefits of taking your time and development process, making sure you've got the right product is, you kind of get to pick and choose a few things that might have worked for some person or another competitor and some things that may be different. So um, with the Wii system, uh, we're completely wireless uh, from the hoods. Um, we've got the battery stored in the seat post for power. Um, there is a cable going to each of the mechs, uh, so front and rear. And, um, you know, basically that's that's only for power so we're fully wireless it's really clean up front um, it, the charging is super easy you plug it directly into the wall so you don't need to take your seat post out at all um, I mean honestly you're gonna probably forget that you have a battery in there cool. uh, I guess the brakes may have been overlooked in all this it comes with brakes are these brakes designed around the system or are they brakes from your uh, in your current line well, actually, uh, that's that's a good point there. Um, we launched these brakes uh, last year in Interbike. This is called the FSA Dual Pivot Brake. It's really, really powerful brake. Um, but yeah, we are we are integrating it into uh, the complete Wii kit. So with the Wii kit, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get the shifters with the levers. You're gonna get the rear derailleur, the front derailleur, uh, the battery. You're gonna get cassette. You're gonna get chain. You're gonna get the BB386 Evo crank set, uh, hollow carbon that's gonna work with every different bottom bracket out there. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's really a complete set and. Man, we're excited. And then disc. Uh, disc has been a buzzword. Is that in the offing? Do we know yet? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, for some of the uh, for some of the internet guys out there, you may have noticed a bit of a sneak peek from Eurobike, and uh, I'll I'll leave it at that. Okay, cool. <laughs> How about uh, triathlete, triathlon, and time trialist? Yeah, again, we've got a lot of different options in the works. Um, right now, we're focusing on what we've got available for spring. And then uh, we'll start to go down some different avenues. But I mean, we solve problems here at FSA. That's what we do. Um, so, you know, you can bet that we'll be we'll be figuring other bikes out as well. Sure. If you want this group set available in the spring, that's that's the target right now. That's correct. Again, that was Mike Lawless with FSA and the K Force WE Group. Uh, a few notes on it: cassettes will come in 11, 23, 25, or 28. And we we're told the price should be somewhere between uh, what's you know, currently the DI2 and ETAP price. So that's right around $1,800. Only the um, Campy Electronics Group is heavier than the, the FSA group. So it'll be third in line if you're looking at weight things. You probably shouldn't. Uh, just put FSA, the WB group, in line with uh, what you're considering. If you are considering an electronic group, it should be available in the spring as a component set. Of course, it'll come on bikes too, as Patrick mentioned in the interview there. A bike company uh, Patrick and I like to check out also anytime we're at uh, one of these events, whether it be the outdoor demo or an inner bike or Sea Otter is Mossy. Uh, they are headquartered in San Diego, uh, but their name says Heritage Italian Brand. 
And last year, they were a lot about their, their history, in fact, celebrating their 90th birthday with a special edition steel road machine that honored the past but was built to today's specs. Patrick, this is one of those companies embracing the idea we talked about earlier, build what real riders ride. Yeah, they're killing it. I mean, they, they've really completely revamped their line. What Mozzie was in terms of production bikes three, four, five years ago, they were good bikes. But they've got a new product manager, relatively new at this point. He's been there a couple of years, and he has completely redone the line. The big thing is that, yes, bikes like the Vivo, a carbon fiber bike that is disc, has clearance for big tires. You can run a 33 millimeter tire on there and has a fit really designed for real world people, actual mortals. You know, this is not a no spacer, minus 17, you know, completely flat back bike. This is for people who are riding Fondos and doing other stuff. You can easily do gravel events on it. It's a really great, versatile bike that has uh, a, a geometry designed for you know people who have a more ordinary fit. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet they, they embrace their heritage. I mean, they don't ignore who they are, which is important as well. I mean, that's what probably gets people in the door with them. Well, I mean, that was the 90th anniversary celebration just last month or, well, two months ago now. You know, they yes, they, they pride themselves on their heritage. And when you really start drilling down and looking at their geometry, you can see that even though things have been modernized, these bikes are still made to handle ex extremely well. You know, they're, they're not ultra-fast crit bikes. Yeah. So let's uh, spend a few minutes with Mozzie. Um, again, a, a nice line. Patrick got to ride the Vivo, it was, uh, an endurance bike for them. But we wanted to get with Mozzie because they have a great perspective on what's going on in the bike industry. So I'm here with James Winchester, uh, product manager for the road bikes for Mozzie Bicycles. Uh, you wear a lot of hats. What did I just leave out in saying that? Uh, that's pretty much it. So um, I guess I, I do the product management and development and brand management, which is talking to journalists like you, uh, as well as driving the, the ODD demo rig out here and setting up. Uh, so a lot of hats, but it's fun. Cool. So just a little while ago, I got to take the Vivo out for a ride for the first time. You showed it to me last year, but I didn't have a chance to actually get on it and ride it. I was really impressed with the bike. Uh, why don't you tell our, leader, uh, our listeners a little bit about it? So the Vivo, I guess, is my vision of what uh, a road bike should be, which is not a race bike, it's not a touring bike, it's a road bike. And I, I think that's something with the, all the niches and sub-niches and sub-sub-niches these days that's a bit uh, rare. But it's, it's, a, it's a road bike. You can get on and you ride it if, if you're riding pavement or gravel or cobbles or anything. It'll, it'll take you there. Right, so you've got a reasonably wide rim on there and then some pretty big tires. Yeah, so the bikes either come with a, with a stands rather rim, which is pretty wide, as you said, or with a rim we developed with a company in Asia that's a 21 millimeter internal. Uh, and all the bikes are tubeless ready, the rims are tubeless ready. So the stands rims will come wrapped from the factory with, uh, with tape, but the uh, lower end rims will also have uh, be tubeless compatible. Uh, the bikes are all coming with 28 millimeter tires as well, which is, I think, the minimum for the you know, quote-unquote average road bike these days. Uh, it just adds more comfort and security. Yeah, and you're, you're specking some really great components as well. I mean, like, some of the bikes are coming with Clement tires, not just some random 28 millimeter tire. Yeah, so Clement's been a big partner for us. I think the, <laughs> the brand ad, adds a lot to, uh, to the Mozzie name, uh, and they're great tires, uh, and they come in great width, so 
the, the 20 millimeter tires on there, the tire, the bike will clear the much bigger tires. So the, the 32 or even a 34 knobby, if you wanted to jam one in there, there's room for it. Regarding the Vivo and this end of your line, it seems like there's a bit of a squeeze going on. Of course, we have, still have race road bikes. And on to its right, if you will, you've got a cross bike and maybe an adventure bike, which you folks have. And we see a lot of companies doing this now. Where does the Vivo, as we like to call it an endurance bike, sit in the world of, of bikes now? What, are its, what is its future? You know, I, I think the Vivo is what a road bike should be. It's, it's wider tires, it's disc brakes, it's compatible with, uh, with a full fender and 20 millimeter tire. And for the average road cyclist who's going out for an hour a week, an hour a month, or uh, six hours a week, um, this is the bike that can fit there. We have a cross race bike that's a bit more of a special purpose race bike, so it's a bit more aggressive, it's shorter head tube, things like that. But at the same time, you can still clear a 40 millimeter tire on the race bike. On the other side, we have our, our, our Evolution, which is our, our race road bike, which is a rim brake bike, but that'll clear a 28 as well. So you're seeing a trend to wider tires and to better brakes, i.e. discs, especially on the, some of the cross and now in, in the road series. Give me a little forecast, if you will. Where is the bike industry, especially for a company like Mozzie, uh, headed? You have a nice wide line and a, and a lot to offer here. Uh, as we headed here to Interbike 2016 and in 2017, where do you see things kind of headed with the industry? Well, I, I think Mozzie's different because we're we're uh, we're not we're too big to be small, but we're too small to be big. So we're kind of in, in um, almost no man's land in some cases uh, for when you talk about bike shops and things like that. But for us, our, our line is wide. We have a lot of steel bikes, which most companies aren't doing. Us, they're really small, niche companies. So for us, that's a lot of a way we get into a shop is through the steel line, which a bigger company won't have. Uh, and then we have the aluminum stuff and the carbon stuff as well. So we, we try to, I think, design bikes for riders in, and not for not for racers first. You know, I don't have a, a, a cobble racing team. I don't have a downhill race team. I have a, people who like to ride their bikes, and I think that's something that's sadly forgotten in this industry is uh, too much focus on, on racing and, and not as much focus on the people who buy the bikes and make the bikes great. Yeah. Are you? A little music here at the outdoor demo, never heard. <laughs> Um, consumer direct has become another buzzword. Where do you stand in that area? You know, you know it's that's a slippery slope because I came up in a shop, and, and most people in the industry came up in a shop and understood that uh, that's how e bikes out the market. You know, that that being said, you know, uh, Greg Bagney is a very smart man. Once said, uh, "Good brands are sold anywhere they want." You know, and I always look at when I was in college, if I wanted to buy a stereo, I went to an AV store. Right, and now if you want to buy a stereo, you really don't. There aren't very AV stores left. You go online or you go to Costco or things like that. So, I'm sure something's changing. You know, we we don't have plans at this moment to go consumer direct. Um, we really believe in the, in our dealer, um, in our dealers, and, and getting the bikes out that way. You know, that said, it, we don't have as many dealers as we'd like, so it's it's harder to to buy a Mozzie. So I want to make it easier to people to get on these bikes as well. So it's a big change. I think with with Canyon coming next year. The bigger companies will have a pretty big shakeup ahead of them. Uh, I think last year when we when we talked to James, we were all about the the anniversary, and there was a big party, and there was a big birthday going on with Mozzie. Yeah. So how did the how did the birthday year? Yeah, it out? was it was great. I mean, this is 90 years of uh, Foliero Mozzie started when we started building bikes at 90 years ago. It's pretty insane to think about, um, but it was a really good thing for us. You know, we we launched a, a limited edition run of USA Road Bikes. Uh, Patrick's got one coming soon as soon as they get back from the shop. Uh, made in USA to really kind of celebrate the heritage uh, of, of the bike and Columbus tubing. It, it's a real, it's a steel race bike. It's not a, uh, an anniversary bike. So we try to be really aggressive with it. But 
uh, I think it, hopefully we're set for another 90 years. <laughs> Again, that was Mossy brand manager, product manager, development manager, everything manager, truck driver, truck driver yeah. James Winchester, sushi buyer. He loves sushi. Polar of espresso. Polar espresso? He does that too? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, he works for an Italian brand. I guess it's obligatory. Uh, consumer Directo, James talked, or we talked to James about that a little bit. It's a funny word around here since, you know, much of what Interbike is about is getting dealers, shop owners, and manufacturers together to talk shop and make orders. You know, the whole concept of Consumer Direct kind of stomps on that idea. It seems like, you know, some companies are really caught in the middle, and Mossy may be one of them, between their loyalty to their dealers and the reality of the way consumers are finding and purchasing things. Yeah. Okay. Can can that be sorted out? Is is that being sorted out now? Yeah, I mean, the market's going to force it to sort out. No matter what you want to do as a retailer, things are just going to change. And making it easier for a consumer to get to your bike is something that everyone's going to be forced to do. And so, all the only real remaining question is what the method of distribution is. How does the bike get to the consumer? That's all that's up for question at this point. And, and so I guess the, and, and the question there is, or, or if the bike dealer can be remain in that loop, are they kept whole? Do you sense they'll be satisfied? And you were in the shop long enough. Is, is that cool with you? I, you know, I don't know that every retailer out there thinks this through as logically as maybe they should or would be helpful. You know, there are any number of scenarios out there where manufacturers are already taking online sales and then delivering through dealers or shipping direct and then just sending a check to the dealer. So they're certainly doing something that is pretty reasonable. Most of the, most of the examples that I'm seeing so far, they're taking proactive steps to keep that relationship intact and to you know, help foster it. They know that they need uh, dealers and you know, they're not cutting them out. And so in that regard, only the bad dealers are going to get crossed up in this. Right. And we're going to get to a company that is one of those consumer direct companies and also a new company to the United States. You know, one of the things you try and do here at Interbike or the outdoor demo is kind of let your curiosity lead you around a little bit. And that's what Patrick and I did when we saw the KTM banner. Now, KTM is a fairly well-known motorcycle brand, uh, but at least in the States, they're bikes. Um, well, that's kind of a new one here. I mean, bikes, yeah, bicycles by KTM, who knew? And I'll have to admit, Patrick, when we first walked over to KTM, I immediately got a little suspicious. I'm like, hmm, they didn't seem to have a lot of space. They seemed things, uh, things were a little disorganized. Didn't really know who to talk to there. Uh, the bikes weren't uh, polished up and cleaned. I thought, okay, maybe we've walked into the wrong, the wrong tent. But um, we pulled somebody aside yep. who was in charge, and I think we, we had our minds changed. It seemed like they, they do have something brewing here. Absolutely. I was really impressed. I mean, I didn't know that KTM started as a bicycle brand and then started making motorcycles later on. Didn't know that. Did, had no idea that they're actually producing the frames in-house in Austria. There were any number of details where, yeah, if you were just walking by their little 10 by 10 you wouldn't have any reason to uh, 
to have a, you know a more enlightened perspective on them. They're doing good work. I'm really impressed. I look forward to getting a chance to ride one. I'm with Trevor Derizé of KTM. Uh, this is their first time ever showing at Interbike, and that's because they're now bringing bikes that they've been doing for quite some time to the U.S. This is the U.S. launch of your bike line. But you guys, I mean, Americans know the KTM brand as a motorcycle brand, but that's not by any means the full scope of what you guys do. Tell us a little bit about the history of KTM and bicycles. Yeah, so uh, believe it or not, KTM has actually been making bicycles longer than they've been making motorcycles. Um, so <laughs> wow. the, uh, the founders of KTM um, were, were making uh, pedal bikes um, before motorcycles. And uh, uh, from there, you know, it, they, it kind of grew uh, in two different ways. Um, the cycling side has grown tremendously in Europe and obviously the motorcycle side has grown tremendously as well. And uh, about 15 years ago, 15, 20 years, um, due to the growth of both sides of the company, they decided to um, kind of go separate ways, just split the entities um, uh, for, for obvious reasons. You know, the cycling industry is so different than the motorsports industry, so they needed different management, different strategies on the cycling side compared to the motorsports side. But the roots are still so tight over there in Austria. I mean, actually, right now, um, our, our cycling warehouses are filled with motorcycles because uh, it's the, uh, you know, the, the motorsports side is really ramping up right now. And uh, we're at the opposite. We're just going into our initial production cycle. So, you know, we still, we're, we're in the same exact place there in Austria as the motorsports people. Um, share a lot of the same facilities and uh, the same values that went into the company from the beginning that um, everybody loves so much about the motorsports side of the company are, uh, are present here with our bicycles. And that's kind of what we want to show everybody here is that this isn't something this isn't a, a spur of the moment, you know, thing that KTM just came up with on a whim. I mean, they've been doing this forever, and uh, it's just it's just new to North America. But it's uh, it's huge and it's huge in Europe, and the bikes are are, are incredible, and they have decades of uh, history and development that have gone into them. Right. I mean, there's a long history of of brands from you know motorcycles and automotive, you know, deciding they're gonna just badge a bike. You know, Cadillac did it, BMW did it, Porsche did it, and they've been awful right you know right but i mean you guys are a real bike company uh i was floored to learn that you're not going to asia for frame production tell us a little more about that right so that's one of the most unique things about uh ktm and and this brand is that everything is done in-house everything is done in austria so um you know, if we if we want to come up with a bike, we can have a brand new bike out in six months because we have all the engineers there, all of the, the the machines to make the prototypes. Everything is right there in house. We lay the, our own carbon right there in house. We we're doing everything uh, with the development of the frames, the paint. Everything is happening right there in house. And uh, even one of the one of the most unique things about the brand is, uh, you know, we do we do direct to consumer. We also do um, through dealers. We have a pretty interesting and unique. Um, program there to kind of support our dealers through our direct-to-consumer sales and uh, but one of the most unique things is every single one of our bikes is actually hand-built tuned assembled every bolt is torqued the derailleurs are set everything is done by hand in Austria before the bikes even come here so um, you know when, when when consumers are buying the bikes they're they're ready to go when shops are buying the bikes I mean shops these big shops that are doing huge amounts of bike sales per day um, it's as simple as taking the bike out of the box, putting the front wheel on, and straightening the bars, and, and it's ready to go. So, um, you know, it, sh it saves uh, it saves a lot of of time and 
Um, and yeah, it just kind of goes with the brand. Like everything is, there's so much thought and, and so much care that goes into everything. And uh, um, yeah, and everything is the, ready to race right out of the box, you know? Very cool. Now, here in the U.S., are you going to have uh, a split strategy like that of IBDs and direct-to-consumer, or will it be a strictly IBD uh, distribution plan? Uh, a little bit of both. So we, we have launched uh, direct-to-consumer sales, um, and we also do, we have, we have an ambassador program, which we like, initially kicked out off for 2016 just because we didn't have any dealers. We didn't have any bikes even out there in the, in, in the country. So, um, so our ambassador program has really kind of gotten things off the ground for us. Um, that's where the majority of our new dealers have come from. And uh, now we're working with the dealers, so our, our dealers um, now kind of control our ambassador program. It's up to them to select ambassadors in their own area. And then um, same with some of the other companies. Um, any direct consumer sale that is made within a certain radius of a dealer, that dealer gets a percentage of the, of the sale and then that bike goes to their location and that person has to then go into that shop and pick it up. And it's really cool because a lot of our dealers are actually motorcycle shops. So um, they're now getting, so you know, they're signing up. We have a, a pretty flexible and, and um, modest uh, entry to our, to our program. It's not, uh, you know, there's no huge buy-in or anything like that. There's not a bunch of hoops they have to jump through. Um, so we're actually getting a lot of motorcycle shops that are, that are signing up and uh, getting a bunch of new customers into their shop because, you know, these, these cycling enthusiasts are buying bikes offline uh, or off the internet in their area and, uh, and then having to come to their dealer, uh, their motorcycle dealer, to, uh, to pick it up and to, uh, you know, have it built and, and check out all the other accessories, things like that. So... It's been it's been cool for for our motorcycle dealers especially. What's the, what's the range of your how big's your line? How many different types of bikes can you choose from if you're looking at KTM? Oh man, we have everything. Um, uh, so you don't the, have to name them all, but give me you know the size yeah. the size of the line. Are it's, you a, are you a specialized big? Or are you something smaller than that? You know, we're not quite. Uh, we don't have everything. You know, we do have we have an extensive mountain collection. Everything. Um, the only thing we're lacking there is a full downhill bike. Um, we get pretty close to it with our, our big travel Lycan, which is our, it's 160 in the front and rear. Um, we have several of our athletes that race it for downhill races. And then uh, we have incredible cross-country machines. Um, that's kind of one of our biggest uh, launches for 2017 is our, our new Sonics, um, which are, are just incredibly light, like state-of-the-art XC machines. Um, and then uh, we, have, we have a bunch of... Uh, you know, gravel grinder bikes. So we have we have road bikes with uh, disc brakes, um, regular brakes. We're we're launching our first aero bike in uh, 2017, um, which uh, yeah, we'll have some more info out on soon. And then uh, what else? We have fat bikes. Uh, we have a brand new line of 27 plus bikes. Um, we have cross bikes. We have a, a very extensive line of e-bikes. Um, we pretty much do everything. Is there, is there a ride quality philosophy that's, that's throughout that line, something that KTM honestly believes in about how a bike should ride? Absolutely. I mean, every single bike that, that we make, so you'll, you'll never see a bike that, uh, it, that would be in, you know, like some of, some of the, the brands that, you, that you've named here, like, like what Cadillac and Chevy and some of these other brands have done. You would never see anything like that um, come from us. Every single bike that we produce, um, we want somebody to be able to, to utilize it in the, the kind of the epitome of whatever that bike is. So a gravel grinder bike, we want somebody to be able to take it right out of the box, go race the dirty cans on it, and uh, you know, same with, same with all of our bikes. So um, 
yeah, they're all incredibly high quality and. Uh, yeah. We'd be hard pressed to break one. That's what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, on that, what is there a, a warranty, a company wide warranty that you guys like to stand behind? Definitely, yeah. So it's uh, it's five years on, on our frames, um, and uh, I believe it's three on our forks. And then, uh, you know, obviously all the components have their own warranties through their manufacturers. Um, and yeah, we're, uh, believe it or not, you know, we're, we're, we get that question a lot um, with warranty, with our. our, our Kind of parent company being in Austria, um, but we're pretty, they're, they're pretty dang good at, at, at taking care of us um, and our customers with with warranty stuff. So uh, we have we have a pretty quick turnaround on things like that when there are issues, but there really aren't very many issues usually. Again, I was Trevor Derazé with KTM, a, a new kid on the block from Austria, now in the United States. They do do consumer direct. They are trying to set up a dealer network. Price, Patrick, I think needs to be addressed by KTM. Their cheapest road bike is about 2,600 bucks. They have a cross bike that goes for five grand. They make $10,000 mountain bikes. Yeah, they have one for under $1,000, but the balance of their catalog weighs towards the more expensive side. Is that, I mean, they're, they're, as far as companies are concerned, they seem like BMC size. Do you feel like they need to address price in all of this? Well, to be successful in the U.S., they'll need more products at the low end. You know, that much is simple. The bigger question is, you know, having a chance to sit down, look at the bikes, you know, look at the construction of the frames, look at the spec level, and then start comparing that to the companies that they're going to be competing against. I can't say right now that the bikes are too expensive. All that you can really criticize them for is not having enough in the low end of the market where so much, uh, so much of the meat of the market is. You know, they're new here. Uh, they deserve a chance to get that worked out. Mm -hmm. Again, we're going to have much more from Interbike 2016 in coming episodes of The Pace Line. The discovery here continues, and we'll make sure we bring you some more interviews and insights of what's going on here at Interbike 2016. If you want to see pics or read more about what you've heard on this show or other things that we've come across at Interbike, head over to, of course, redkiteprayer.com, where posts are going up as we speak. Um, uh, RKP, of course, is the home of the Pace Line. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music. Follow us on Twitter at Paceline Podcast. Well, I know where I'm headed. Uh, the Camelback Tent. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was headed there right now. First, I get to go ride the new Shimano Durace. Then I'll be headed to the pool at Camelback. Yeah, right. You heard right, folks. They have a DJ refreshments, not the kind you'd put in your bladder, of course, and a pool <laughs> where uh, there's swimming going on. But that's Camelback. They've, they've got the right attitude. They're at the they outdoor. understand hydration. <laughs> <laughs> in a very big way. Hey, let's go swimming. Uh, so for Fatty and Patrick Brady, I'm Michael Hutton. Thanks for joining us at Interbike 2016. We'll talk to you next time on The Pace Line.